Welcome to Timberline Windsor. Thanks for joining us this weekend. We are a church family that strives to let love live in every facet of our lives. We at Timberline Windsor desire everyone, every man, woman, and child that calls this church family home to be a part of Connections. To join one today, visit our website or download the Timberline app. Enjoy today's message. John 21, 25 says, Jesus did many other things as well. If everyone were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would have to be written. So when we look at a Bible, we look at, depending on how thick the writing is, you know, it can be a different kind of thickness. But if everything was written down that happened, it would take all these volumes of books. And so think about the Bible. The thing that I was starting to think about is how... All the details that the Bible has, there's some very specific ones, details that they left in, and then there's details that they left out. They, you know, like when the, at the wedding in Cana, they said it was on the third day. Very specific, you know, details, but in other places, we don't hear any of the context. There are people who are mentioned in the Bible that are people like David, Moses, Joshua, Paul, people that are, are named, but then there are people that are nameless. They'll just say, they'll refer to him like a servant. Or there's sometimes it will say, there were those. Like those. Well, who are those? They weren't listed. And then there was the Pharisees. They weren't named, but just who they were. Then there were people that the Bible includes, but it's more about what they, who they, what they, how they were marked. So there was the woman with the issue of blood. So her ailment is what we know about. Then in Acts 18.7, there's Justice Titius. Uh, and Paul left the synagogue, went next door to his house, and it was said that he was a worshiper of God. And so these are the kind of details. But then there are people that are never mentioned, ever, but still were critical to God's story. In the New Testament, John 2, 23, it says, now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw him, saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. In fact, there's 15 times in the New Testament where it says many people. It doesn't list them. It doesn't say they were from Norway. It doesn't say what they were about, if they were carpenters. It just says many people, no details. But there are many people that set the table for what God was gonna do. And think about the Last Supper, right? What if someone forgot to get the bread or got, didn't bring the wine, right? I mean, think about it. They would have showed up in the room, they're like, Okay, I guess this is not the Last Supper. You know, and if they didn't have a location, they were, it wouldn't have been the upper room because it would have been outside. So there's all these details that are left out, but they're critical for the narrative of what God's doing in the world. Some of you will remember the movie, The Incredibles. Remember this movie? And uh, we were talking about last night about how many blockbusters you used to have you know, with, the, with VHS and all that. And uh, this is probably back in the blockbuster VHS days. Uh, but it's basically, there's a family and they have, they're called the Incredibles because they have these supernatural, you know, str- uh, giftings. Uh, they were kind of a ragtag group, but they had these supernatural strengths. So first, Mr. Incredible, what did he have? Supernatural strength, right? And then Elastigirl, her arms could just kind of go out like that, like a lot of moms can do already, all right? And then uh, Violet, 
She had a bunch of superpowers. She was a teenager, so she was complicated. Uh, force field, invisible, uh, and then you had dash, and what did he have? Super speed, right? And so when we look at the Bible, a lot of times we'll even hear sermons about the Incredibles of the Bible, right? So there's all these different Incredibles. There was Solomon who had super strength, right? Judges 14, 19. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he had this supernatural strength. I mean, that's kind of, oh man, that's what I want to have happen to me. I want to have that kind of strength. Then there's Abraham. He had these arms that were supernatural, right? Exodus 17, 11. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. Whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. So here's this kind of supernatural strength. Then you had Daniel who had a force field in Daniel 6, 22 through 23. God sent his angels and shut the lion's mouth so that they might not hurt me because I was found innocent in him. And later on it says, so David was taken up out of the den. No injury whatsoever was found on him because he was believed because he believed in his God. So we would love, that would be great to have that kind of story. Like we got this force field around us, even when we go to our workplaces and all the people are annoying and, and uh, we got this force field, we're not affected by any of it. Uh, we would love to have these kind of things. But then there's super speed. It would be nice to have that too as well. And uh, of course, some of the Bible examples are negative, like Elijah, you know, in 1 Kings 19.3, Elijah was afraid, so he ran for his life. Super speed, but that's not what we want to have. But 1 Samuel 17, 18, we, have, we hear about David. Then it happened when the Philistine rose, Goliath, and came and drew near to meet David. Then David ran quickly toward the battle line to the Philistine. So these are the kind of stories that we grow up in as kids. This is what makes sermons. But what I want to talk to you about today is not the goal of us joining the Incredibles, I believe God wants us to join the invisibles. He wants us to join the invisibles. As we look at the wedding in Cana and Jesus' first miracle, I think we can see that there's a lot going on that we might have not noticed before. There's been lots of sermons about this first miracle of Jesus. They could focus on the miracle. They could focus on the importance of marriage. You could focus a sermon on how Jesus went and was engaged with his community. Uh, you see some of the characters are named in this, in this story. There's the bridegroom, there's Mary, the, and then, but we're not always focused on what's happening in the background. And so let's look at this story through that lens. Who are the nameless participants as we read this story? Who are the people that no one really talks about? They get mentioned, but just briefly, and they're not named. So let's go ahead and read the next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and the disciples, uh, Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told them, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not come yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Standing nearby were six stone water jars, used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each of them could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some of it and take it to the master of the ceremony. So the servants followed his instructions. Now the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants did. He called the bridegroom over. As the host always serves the best wine first, he said, 
Then when everyone else has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed him. So the first thing I want to point out in this story is that there was a flurry of activity that was going on during this wedding. Think about it. If there's people there for the wedding, they're fellowshipping, they're talking, there's some ceremonial things that were probably for that period that a wedding would go through. There was probably food, there was wine, as we know. And there came a point in this story where there's a panic. People started to like realize we're running out of wine and there started to be conversations, side conversations, probably not to bother any of the, you know, the bride and all the people in the wedding party, but they started having side conversations like, we're starting to run out of wine. And then they start thinking, okay, what can we do? They start figuring out what are our options? You know, I don't know if, if come and go is open this hour. You know, I got to go to 7-Eleven. Or, or they go, you know what? I think Bill's house has some wine. So they start, spec, you know, figuring out. But then they deplete all those options. And the last resort, Mary comes to Jesus, knowing who he is, what he can potentially do, though this would be his first miracle. And she says, do whatever he tells you to do. So as for invisibles, our, the superpower is obedience to Jesus is our superpower. It doesn't have to make sense. All we have to do is listen to the right voice. There was probably a lot of competing voices of how to solve this problem, what they should do. But Mary just focuses those servants and says, do whatever he tells you to do. And he says, fill up these pots, and they fill it to the brim, and he says, take out some, bring it over, and they obeyed. And for us, that's what God is asking us to do. He's asking us to simply obey whatever he asks us to do. There's a lot of competing voices in our lives. They could be family, they could be good voices, all these things, but we need to ask God to tune us in to his voice and be like what Mary said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And that's where we wanna be in that posture. So if it takes big obedience, like God saying, hey, I want you to go to the other side of the world and be a missionary, then we say yes. If it's small obedience where he says, call your coworker, and you're like, oh, I don't really wanna do that right now, or say something when a conversation's going on about me, and those little times of reaching out, we wanna be in a place where we just obey. When it comes to missions, it doesn't have to make sense. It, doesn't, it won't align with the voices out there of what you should do with your time, your money, what you should do with your prayer life, but we should just obey. Simple obedience is our superpower. Verse six, nearby stood six water jars, the kind used for Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Second thing, point out is incredible things happen with Jesus in ordinary places with ordinary things. We can get sometimes in a, a place where we say, oh, the only place God can move is like right here at the altar or right here in church. But if you look at Jesus' life, he was working mostly in ordinary places. 37 of his recorded miracles, only three of them happened in a place of worship. Most of them happened in ordinary places with ordinary things, like these clay pots. God did the miraculous. God does the incredible in ordinary places with ordinary things. 
It happens on the mission field all the time. Our workers go out, they go to parks, they go to, to restaurants, they meet their neighbors, they're, doing, they're part of social events, they're part of businesses that give them access to the country. And as they do those things, uh, God takes those ordinary places, he takes ordinary things, and he does the impossible, he does the incredible. And sometimes we say, well, I don't have a lot to give. You know, we focus on what we don't have, and Jesus wants us to focus on what we have. The feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew 14, 16, it says they did not, Jesus, Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And we have, we here have only five loaves and two fishes, they answered. And then he said, bring them to me. So basically, Jesus is not saying, let's do an inventory of what you don't have. Let's have an inventory of what you do have. What are the talents? What has God given you? Resources? What has he put in your heart? And he says, bring that to me, and I'm the one who's going to multiply it and bring it to the incredible level of impact. Numbers, verse 7, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. We need to go all in with whatever Jesus asks us to do. There was no half-hearted obedience on this. They just went and did it. And this was not an easy thing. It wasn't like they just turned on the tap like, okay, I'll, like you're in your sink, let me fill up the, the pot, you know, for the spaghetti. No, this was like, okay, he's told us to fill up these pots. These are not what the pots are used for. Uh, we gotta go get water from somewhere. Uh, they don't have a hose. We're just gonna have to go through all... But you see, they just did it. They were all in, and they were so all in that it says they filled them to the brim. You know, they could have just said, well, we got them to the top. We got enough in there. If Jesus is going to do something, he's got enough to work with. No, they had this kind of, okay, something's about to happen, and I'm going to go all in, and I'm going to fill these to the brim. And where are you and I sometimes not filling it to the brim with anticipation? You know, the longer I walk with the Lord, sometimes I can put God into a box. Like, he could do this, but he probably won't. You know, and so we just, we don't say that out loud, but we go through the motions of saying, yeah, I'm trusting you for this, but we don't come with that kind of, that reckless ambition to say, I'm gonna fill it to the brim. When it comes to stuff like prayer, I was convicted about my prayer life. I was praying for some things that were going on in our family, and we're praying, and I'm going through the motions of praying, but then on the side, the side conversation is like, it's probably not gonna change. You know, like that kind of thing. And, but the reality is, I was listening listen to this one song and it, was, and it just reminded me, it said, oh my soul, don't you know who you're talking to? We need to be reminded, like we are talking to Jesus, the God who turned water into wine, the God who created the universe, the God who does, holds everything together. He can, he can intervene in our family. He can intervene in nations. He can intervene for the persecuted church. When it comes to the call, we just have to say, I'm all in. I might not be able to see what's ahead, but I'm willing to take that step of faith to say, God, I'm gonna do it. You said I should go, I'm gonna go. The crazy thing about this story is that while the invisibles did this, while the servants did this, no one's even paying attention to them. <laughs> They're just invisible. Everyone else is part, being part of the, the wedding festivities, but yet they were going all in. And sometimes 
we, we're willing to go all in if we can kind of get the poster that says, oh, look, Dwayne's making that big step. He's taking a step of faith to go into missions. But are we willing to not even be noticed? Are we willing to be some of the invisibles? When it comes to prayer for our family, are we all in? When it comes to our reaching our coworkers and our neighbors, are we all in with expectation? Yeah, it's gonna be messy to get involved with those people. When I hang out with my neighbors in my neighborhood, I just keep reminding myself, I keep going, they act like lost people, you know? And so it gets messy, it gets complicated, but you know what? I'm gonna go to the brim with expectation that God's gonna use those relationships for his purposes. When it goes to the investments in the kingdom of God, I'm gonna go all in. He said, do it, I'm gonna invest in missions, I'm gonna invest in my local community. Why? So that it can be, the gospel can go out. Verse eight, then he told them, now draw out and take, it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water they had turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn it knew. So the fourth thing is being invisible sets the table for what God is going to do. Obedience sometimes can be so insignificant. You know, what these servants were doing didn't seem like a big deal. Just fill up the pots. But when they were all in, they got a front row sheet to what God was going to do. Think about that. There's so many stories throughout the Bible. If you just step back and think about the characters that were never seen, they were able to be, because of their obedience, because of their participation, they were able to be right there at the front of what God was doing. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said in verse 10, Anyone, everyone brings out the choices wine, first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. The last thing we notice is that someone else gets the credit when you're the invisibles. Jesus gets the glory, and other people's faith is solidified. Think about it. These guys brought the wine. It's been miraculously transformed, and they, he, they don't even ask them what happened. They just look past them and go, hey, bridegroom, what has happened here? They don't even acknowledge that they are there. And how comfortable are you and I with that? How comfortable are we about, are, are we about not being part of getting the credit? What if we're part of the unwritten, untold, undocumented story of what God's doing in 2023? What if we don't get our name or our church on some plaque? Are we okay with that? Are we okay with someone else getting the credit? Verse 11, when Jesus did, when, what Jesus did here in Canaan of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And here in, in the message version, it says the first glimpse of his glory. So through this, basically, God's glory was revealed. And that's the reality. If we are willing to be the invisibles, Jesus will get the glory. And we will just be a catalyst for that to happen. If this was written, you know, this Scripture was written about uh, the workers in Eurasia. What Jesus did in Eurasia was the first signs through which he revealed his glory. The unreached, the unengaged, the inaccessible peoples of Eurasia are all getting their first glimpse in 2023, their first glimpse of the glory of Jesus. Being part of the invisibles makes it like we are not even in the room, but we get to be part of his glory being revealed. And then this last part, it says, and his disciples 
believed in him. It seems like because of this, these invisibles that took steps of obedience, they were all in. Other people's faith was solidified. By obeying, using ordinary things in ordinary places with anticipation, setting the table for what God was gonna do, it seems like our coworkers on the mission field are gonna be encouraged to deeper believing in him. The persecuted church is gonna be believing deeper in him. So are you ready? Do you wanna be part of the invisibles? Do you wanna let God use you for his glory? Let's pray. Just take a moment and just say, Lord, remember that prayer I said at the beginning of service. What do you have? What's my next step? What do you want me to do? Just take a moment, just say, God, between you and him, say, here's, here's what I heard from you. What do you want me to do? Solidify that next step right now. That obedience, maybe it's a big obedience that says, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna relocate my family to another part of the world, another part of America, as you're calling me. Maybe it's a simple one that you've been having that gnawing, the Holy Spirit's been gnawing you about, pick up the phone, call that person. Befriend that neighbor. Maybe he's challenging you today, like just to have different perspective, that it would just, that you'd be all in not just kind of go through the motions and yeah, I got my pot about two thirds full and that's been enough. You wanna let God just raise your expectation to be all in, whatever he asks you to do. And maybe he's dealing with your heart that it's been easy to say, yeah, I kind of want it to be about me too. And he's saying, it's okay to give up the credit it's okay to let me get all the glory because then it's gonna encourage your brothers and sisters and I'm gonna do the miraculous. Lord, I just pray for each person in this room. No one doesn't have a next step when it comes to missions. They're gonna either step back and not engage. They're, not, they're gonna step forward and do that next piece. Lord, I just pray over this next year is this focus on whispers of faith, that Lord, the persecuted church, the need for God's word, those things will just be entrenched in our hearts and it will move us to action. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you encountered the love and power of Jesus in today's service. If you're interested in giving, for joining serving opportunities and much more, visit TimberlineChurch.org slash connect. Have a great week. Go be the church and let love live.